0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Stephen Hayes. And Steve, you've been up hanging out with the troublemakers on Capitol Hill. I saw there were actual hearings on Benghazi that involved the families of the victims. Uh, did that have any impact at all on the willingness of the media to cover this story?
1: doesn't seem to have had much. I woke up this morning and eagerly scrambled for my copy of the New York Times to see what their take on the, the hearing uh, was yesterday because there were a lot of substantive revelations in the discussions with Thomas Pickering and Mike Mullen, the two men who headed the State Department's review of the Benghazi thing, and there was no story in the New York Times, or at least not one that I found.
0: None. That's just uh, terrifying and astonishing. As you pointed out, there were revelations. I read them at Weekly Standard on the blog, thanks to you. Most interesting to me that essentially this oversight committee was handpicked by uh, then secretary of state clinton overseen and she was uh, given advance review uh, opportunity to advance review the information before congress got it
1: right i mean you know for, for really the better part of 9 months you've had the administration and i think many in the mainstream media portrayed the state department investigation which everybody called the administrative review board the arb as this independent exhaustive tough investigation uh into the State Department and, and a little bit beyond, um, on Benghazi. And the fact is it just wasn't that. Um, you know, some for some reasons uh it was uh sort of sewn in by the way that the the law that governs the ARB is set up. But in many cases it just was uh it was decisions that the ARB made or didn't make um, that made it not independent. I'll give you just a couple examples. I mean as as you mentioned, you had Hillary Clinton, in effect, choosing who was going to be running the investigation into her department. I don't think anybody, you know, any average American who thinks of an investigation, you don't think of the potential subject of the investigation making the choices about who is going to be conducting it. Mike Mullen, the vice chairman of the investigation, said that he received what he called, quote, a very specific tasking from the secretary with respect to her, in- her expectations for how the investigation would unfold. Uh, they provided, the, the leaders of the investigation provided regular updates to Hillary Clinton's chief of staff, Cheryl Mills, about the progress of the investigation, what they were finding, and what their likely recommendations were going to be. Uh, Mike Mullen, the vice chairman of the, the, the panel, uh, actually at one point, very early on, uh, called Cheryl Mills, Hillary Clinton's chief of staff, to give her a heads up, what he described as a heads up or a warning because the investigative panel had interviewed Charlene Lamb, a bureaucrat at the State Department who was involved with decision-making on September 11, 2012, and found her to be a difficult witness, not a good witness. And Mullen took it upon himself to call senior State Department officials and say, hey, look, she's going to be a problem when she goes before Congress. So here you have the, the number two person on this supposedly independent investigation, placing a phone call that's in effect helping to coach the State Department, tell its story, tell its public story when it's being grilled by, by Congress. Nobody thinks that that is an independent
0: investigation. Well, that sounds like what a lawyer would do if he were working for me. He would say to me, hey, we've got a problem exactly. here. Hey, got, this seems upside down. Let me ask, though, about the uh, the families themselves having the mother of uh of one of the navy seals there, having the father of the other the former seals who were who were killed that night during the seven hour on again off again fight did that have any impact on the democrats as they watched
1: well it didn't seem to have much because most of the democrats had left by that point
0: why Um, would they leave when the family members are showing up
1: you know i can't imagine i mean even if you wanted to be very crass and say that it would it would lead to bad publicity they they would have been wise to stick Mm -hmm. around and listen But, look, I think they owe it to the families uh, and the survivors' families uh, to to listen to what they have to say. I mean, these are people who were promised early on, as they testified yesterday, uh, that they would be provided answers, that the government would stay in touch, that they would know exactly what was going on, and finally that there would be justice for the loss of their loved ones. And we, we all know that there hasn't been justice and anything approaching justice the Benghazi case, and certainly the the case that that neither of the two parents who testified yesterday felt that they'd gotten any kind of answers, and both of them suggested in somewhat strong words that they're getting a runaround from their government. You know, you had direct promises from Hillary Clinton and others to the parents saying, we will find out what happened, we will tell you, and we will bring these people to justice. None of that has happened.
0: Well, well, no, that's not true. The guy who made the video is in jail, so wasn't that what uh, Hillary Clinton promised him?
1: Right, right, exactly. They, she did say that they were going to go after the, the video maker. Maybe that's what she had in mind.
0: The other uh, uh, big news on Capitol Hill this week is the ongoing discussion among Republicans, or what you might. I'm, I'm told it's a civil war. I'm told it's a knockdown, bloody fight. I've also been told they're just kind of figuring out what they're going to do. But the way to approach uh, uh, the budget and Obamacare and the issue of defunding Obamacare, what is the current status as you know it, Steve?
1: Yeah, good. Good luck figuring that out. Look, I think there's been, I think everybody involved in this drama, um, most of everybody involved in this drama has made mistakes. I mean, I think it's certainly the case that leadership on the Republican side, both in the Senate and the House, took far too long to go to its members, to go to the rank and file with a plan for the upcoming budget and death ceiling debates, and to make that plan include Obamacare. Certainly the case that many of the conservatives who wanted to push Obamacare to the center of the debates this fall, went to leadership repeatedly and said, hey, where, where is Obamacare? How are we going to handle this? And didn't feel like they were getting adequate answers. That, I think, led to some, like Mike Lee and maybe Ted Cruz and others, it's certainly a good number of, of folks in the House, to say, you know what, we're not getting action from our leadership on this. We are going to make sure that Obamacare is at the center of these debates. And the way we're choosing to do that is to push this defunding of Obamacare through the continuing resolution. Now, I think that strategy may have had a chance to work, at least as, as a rhetorical device, very early. And if everybody, if every single Republican had been on board, but it was very clear from the beginning that that wasn't going to be the case. You had many Republicans, including many conservatives, come out and say, look, the defund idea is a crazy idea. We don't want to support it. And I think once you have those divisions, you have to come up with a different plan. You know, the one I think would be smart for them would be to to push for a delay, tie it to the debt ceiling, and make sure, again, that Obamacare is part of these discussions this fall. Where we are right now, I mean, House Republicans are pushing something that will be a, 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 a continuing resolution that will not fund Obamacare. They've been pushed to do this by Ted Cruz, who then put out a statement saying, in effect, this isn't going to work after (laughs) he's been pushing for it, which caused a lot of House Republicans, including many conservatives, uh, great angst. Um, And and so I think that we've seen erupt this. I wouldn't say it's a civil war, but certainly some unpleasantries exchanged between uh, the House and Senate conservatives. But one last point, you know, it's not easy. Everybody wants to write the story in the mainstream media. Look, this is conservatives against the establishment, moderates against Mm right-wingers. It really isn't breaking down that way. I mean, you've had many conservatives who are critical of what Ted Cruz and others have done uh, and don't agree with the defund strategy. I'm talking about Tea Party folks like Ron Johnson, Jeff Flake, and others. And John McCormick uh, has a very good editorial at the Weekly Standard this week pointing that out and sort of making a broader argument about all of that. But it's not, it doesn't break down exactly the way that I think the mainstream media would like to portray it, um, but it's certainly the case that Republicans are going to have to figure out what the heck they're doing if they have any chance of being successful this fall. Well,
0: I have to confess, I used to run Republican political campaigns for a living, and I learned that if you ever look at the in the scope of a Republican gun, you will always see a Republican foot. I'm sorry to say, but why, Steve? <laughs> why don't they just seize the obvious, glaring opportunity, which is? The employer mandate is delayed, but the individual mandate is not. And wrap everything around making the Democrats explain why that's fair. Because they can't explain it, and then it highlights the other problems and on and on. I mean, these guys are relatively smart. I mean, come on.
1: You know, look, I mean, that would be a smart thing to do right now. I mean, I would push for a delay in the individual mandate and the implementation of the exchanges. But we're getting close to the point where people are going to start signing up for those in in less than two weeks. So. The time is getting late, and I think this is really the argument that a lot of the people, a lot of the conservatives who wanted to push some kind of cohesive Republican agenda, you know, starting in the summer, were making at the time. Let's figure out what are the most important uh, parts of this law that we could possibly delay or affect. Let's get everybody behind making the same argument, and let's – Challenge the administration. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. I mean, as late as as you know, June and July, I think you had some in leadership, not everybody, but some in leadership who preferred a strategy, an approach to this call, which would have sidelined Obamacare. They didn't want to include Obamacare. They wanted to trade sequester cuts that Republicans like, the restoration of sequester cuts that Republicans want restored, which would be on the defense national security side, for some on the uh, social spending side that Democrats prefer, and then go for some kind of what they were calling entitlement reform, but I think what in effect meant a change CPI with the president on Social Security, which the president has also, already indicated that he'd be, be willing to, uh, to do or at least to consider. So they, they had lower expectations uh, this summer. Others were pushing them in to include Obamacare and to go big and to, to pick a few of those, Items that you mentioned make an argument. It's a very good argument to say, why are you giving this cutout to businesses? Why are you giving these advantages, this delay to businesses, but not to individuals? It's a very strong argument. And I will say, House Republican leadership deserves credit in that the second that the administration announced the delay uh, on the business side, they made that argument and made it very effectively for the first two days, but then it sort of disappeared.
0: Steve Hayes, none of these issues are going to disappear disappear before next week. I'm sure we'll be talking again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. This has been the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.